0: And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Happy October 1. Can you believe it? Fall is getting closer to becoming a full-time reality. I think the yesterday may might have had the air conditioning on for a little while. And then a little bit later on in the day, I think it shifted to the heat. So we're kind of in that season where you can have multiple experiences all in one day. But you know what? The sun was shining yesterday and it was nice out. And today it's a little bit of that gloominess, which uh, everybody needs to have a little bit of uh, extra effort to overcome the the dark and the rainy clouds. Maybe that's just me talking. Maybe, Rebecca, are you in a good mood? I think from, so. From what you can tell?
1: Yeah, don't I look like I'm in a good You're mood? You
0: always seems to be in a good mood.
1: I try. It's the smile.
0: Yes, yeah. you got a smile. <laughs> you do a good job of smiling. Why, thank you. Yeah, but we have a great show. We have Rob Bluey coming up, and you know, Rob is my... Uh, Tuesday correspondent guest from Washington, D.C. He knows what's going on in the the nation's capital. And then my friend Patrick Albanese, who's usually, uh, you know, Mondays at three. Well, we're going to do the Tuesday edition of Monday with Patrick. And that's coming up uh, in the second half of the hour. So that's how we're going to get our day started. And then Dr. Glenn Pickering will be with me for the full hour uh, in the second hour. And we're going to talk about relationships, which is his expertise. And we're going to talk about some of the spiritual issues that can get in the way of uh, having good relationships. And, you know, I know there's going to be a solution to uh, improving those. We're going to take calls. And if you have a question for Glenn, maybe you've heard him in the past and you think this time I'm getting my question in 877-933-2484, or you can email me bill at myfaithradio.com. Let's take a short break and bring on Rob. You have your people, The people who help you connect faith to life, when they show a simple trust, those people are your kids. When it's unconditional forgiveness, maybe it's your spouse. And when it's someone who serves and teaches and encourages, maybe it's your pastor. We all have people. At Faith Radio, we are a collection of those people growing together every day in the ways of grace and hope and truth.
1: Connecting faith to life. Faith Radio. Restoring hope through the lasting love of our Lord. You will be safe
2: in His arms He's the hands that hold the world Are holding your heart This is the promise He made He will be with you always When everything
0: is falling
2: apart You will be safe in His
1: arms Proclaiming His name Faith Radio
0: The show so glad I can have a chance to talk to Rob Bluey, executive editor of the Daily Signal. You always should go to da- DailySignal.com dot com for your news and information. Rob, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks. It's great to be with yeah. you.
0: Yeah, lots of buzz going on in your hometown with the wild card game tonight. Um, our uh, the Washington Nationals second baseman Brian Dozier was a former Twin, so I'm always kind of pulling for for Washington Nationals tonight. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Brewers, but we'll see what happens tonight. It's the winner take all.
2: It it certainly is. I mean, both uh, both the American League and National League will uh, be determining who over the next two days plays the top seed in each league, so it'll either be the Nationals or Brewers uh, here uh, in in uh, in Washington, but, uh, you know, nobody expected the Nationals to make the playoffs this year after, of course, losing Bryce Harper to Philadelphia, right. and then of course they had a terrible start to the year, but it just goes to show that, that teamwork and determination, you really can turn things around. I think they had like a 3% chance or something in May to make the playoffs, and here they are—one of the teams that did.
0: I know it's impressive, and it is because it's such a long season. And if you can tough it out and stay healthy, uh, you can—you can find yourself in—in—in in, um, in the playoffs. Like that's right, they're one game away from being in them, so it's kind of cool. All right, let's uh, talk about other things going on in Washington, like uh, the updates on the impeachment.
2: Yeah, well, that is uh, pretty much all that's going on <laughs> when it comes to uh, to Congress. It seems they—they uh, they did manage. Uh, yesterday was the last day of the uh, the fiscal year for the federal government. So we're not talking a shutdown for once, Bill. That's a, <laughs> that's a, a miracle right there. Uh, the last uh, couple of years, of course, we've had these standoffs between the Democrats and, and President Trump. Uh, but uh, this time they did manage to pass the spending bill on time. So now they can focus exclusively on impeachment. And that's, uh, that's what they're doing. So Congress left last week for a two-week recess, but uh, there's plenty of people still busy in Washington, most likely uh, those members of the House Judiciary Committee, who are preparing uh, to hear testimony, along with the Intelligence Committee and a few others, uh, which will really be leading this impeachment inquiry. And uh, of course, uh, Speaker Pelosi held off for a long time. Uh, she didn't think that this was going to play out favorably politically for, uh, for her party, but uh, now I think she's Uh, determined that uh, the numbers are are there, and she's uh, willing to get behind it. So the first step is really to hear testimony, to collect information, and that's uh, the process that uh, the lawmakers are going through right now. Uh, We'll hear have some uh, people testifying as early as Thursday of this week. And, uh, you know, they're subpoenaing for documents and doing all that sort of fun stuff, Bill, and we'll see where it goes. You
0: know, I saw on television a couple of dueling lawyers, one from each competing network, and a uh, lawyer one was saying that the president uh, violated uh, rules and he should be impeached and the other uh, attorney was saying he had full authority to do what he he did and there and the first attorney doesn't know what he's talking about so I don't know how you get so many different opinions on what's happening and how you interpret it. and is there any uh, media outlet that isn't you know biased
2: Well, I I think everybody is uh, is subjective in their reporting. I mean, I I, this notion that uh, that anyone can truly be objective as a as a journalist. I I think um, you know has long been uh proven untrue i mm-hmm. mean everybody carries their own biases and opinions uh just that's how we're shaped as we we grow up and live our lives uh but uh there are individuals i think hopefully that are in pursuit of the truth and uh and those are the outlets that uh, hopefully we can trust you know i saw a study from uh morning consult i'll get back to the impeachment in just a moment but okay, i do want good. to mention this uh i saw a study today from morning consult which looked at um Uh, the most divisive uh, brands that are out there. And uh, news organizations dominate the list bill. I mean, it's really quite sad that that it's news organizations that uh, I think took up 12 out of the top 16 spots on the list. Uh, So there is a trust issue with uh, with news organizations. And you see this in the fact that CNN and uh, Fox News and MSNBC, depending if you're a Republican or a Democrat, you have widely differing uh, views on them. Uh, And even some of the more uh, mainstream outlets uh, It had pretty poor ratings, uh, so NBC, ABC, CBS, and this is uh, the state of media in this country today. I think there is, is a lot of work that needs to be done on the part of journalists to to restore that trust and uh, and hopefully uh, present it news and information in a, in a factual way. But one of the things that's that's making it a whole lot uh, more complicated is we we just simply have a lot of speculation going on and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that we're still awaiting information to come out. We don't have all the facts yet when it comes to President Trump and what took place, and we wait, never have all of the facts simply because uh, there's some c- certain information that will remain classified and, and won't be viewable by the public. Uh, the fact that the president released the whistleblower report and uh, and – the call, a transcript uh, with the president of Ukraine, I think, is uh, is an attempt at transparency. Now, there are some who say that he shouldn't have done those things because it weakens the institution of the presidency or uh, it you know, tarnishes uh, our relations with foreign leaders. But at the end of the day, I think the president is trying to prove that there wasn't anything wrong with what was happening, and he wanted the American people to decide for themselves, much like he often takes to Twitter and uh, has a conversation directly with them without relying on the news media to be that filter.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are what are you thinking about Vice President Biden's response when he was asked if he had any conversation with his son, Hunter, about business in the Ukraine? And he said, I've never spoken to them. And yet there's a picture of the four of them golfing.
2: Right. Right. Well, I mean, again, it's one of those things where, you know, I think the more information that comes out, uh, some of the the things that we, we might Believe today will be proven untrue, and uh, certainly this photo, when I saw it, uh, was one of those moments where I was thinking, okay, you know, you try to take somebody at their word, you want to believe them, that you want to think that they're being truthful to you, and the American people when they have these conversations, and then you find out things after the fact that uh, that that, you know really cast suspicion and uh, skepticism. So I think it's most important for for your listeners, for Daily Signal readers, for all Americans. Uh, to go into this with, uh, you know, a dose of skepticism, uh, regardless of where you stand politically, because, frankly, there are people who are out there just to protect their own agenda and might not have the interests of the American people in mind. Uh, And uh, and they're trying to advance a, you know, political position. That's largely what impeachment is. I mean, if we could... If we could get, uh, you know, have an actual jury trial and, you know, try to determine, you know, whether or not somebody's telling the truth or lying. I mean, but that's not what's going on here. I mean, let's face it; these are politicians in Washington D.C. There were some who wanted to impeach President Trump from the moment he took office. The articles of impeachment were introduced shortly, a short time after that. Uh, there have been people who, uh, on the on the other side of the aisle, opposite of President Trump, who said that they don't even need a reason—high uh, crimes and misdemeanors—they can just impeach him for the sake of impeaching him. So uh you know bill this is going to be one of those those situations i think much like bill clinton in 1998 where you're going to have strong opinions regardless of uh of you know um or, you know, where you stand uh, necessarily. And it's 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 kind of sad that our nation is going to be embroiled in this uh, affair because there's a lot of hard work that needs to be done. I think there are still great opportunities economically. There are foreign threats that we need to, to counter. Uh, we're not talking about health care or the economy and some of the other things that we really should be focused on, and instead we're focused on this.
0: Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. When you mentioned President Clinton, I, I know you were probably referring to his impeachment, but I was also thinking of his a discussion he had with Loretta Lynch on the tarmac uh, for 40 minutes. And he only talked about golf and grandkids.
2: Right. Well, of course. And, And look, I think a lot of people saw that and they started to say, what is going on here? This is not, uh, this is a little bit unusual. This is not the type of thing that, you know, we would necessarily expect to play out. So, uh, it's one of those things that sometimes you know we're we're left with more questions than we have answers and uh as much as we we try to determine that uh, it sometimes takes months years and maybe we'll never know i mean i just saw that the state department for instance is still looking into the hillary clinton emails that um mysteriously disappeared. I mean, here we are, uh, you know, years removed from Hillary Clinton's tenure as Secretary of State, and, and that issue still continues to percolate uh, to this day, and we might never get the, the full story as to what happened. So uh, that's one of the frustrating things I think the American people have to contend with and why it's so important that we follow uh, through on the process uh, as it's laid out in the Constitution. And uh, And I think that, you know, there, there are some, I think, uh, who, who – Sincerely want to do that, and there are others who are just looking at this as, uh, you know, for a political gain, and they think that this is going to tarnish and sully President Trump's reputation and you know, position uh, maybe a Democrat to do uh, better in the next uh, election.
1: So Mm -hmm.
2: we'll see how it ultimately plays out. But I will tell you that uh, we have a great resource uh, at the Heritage Foundation called The Guide to the Constitution, and it has been incredibly popular over the last week as people, I think, have been searching for more information on how impeachment works and what the Constitution actually says. So if your listeners are interested in learning more, we've got uh, some great resources there at heritage.org.
0: My distinguished guest is Rob Bleu, executive editor of The Daily Signal. Let me take a little break and we'll get right back with Rob. To the show. Rob Louie is my guest, executive editor of The Daily Signal. Uh, Rob, I appreciate uh, uh, your you being on the uh, at ground zero when it comes to all that's going on in Washington. So when I heard that uh, Chris Collins, representative of New York, uh, resigned uh, from Congress on Monday, I thought there's probably no better person to ask about what's going on than you, Rob Louie.
2: Yeah, well, so uh, you know, it's a situation I always follow uh what happens in New York pretty closely because I'm from upstate New York. I know you are. Uh, not not too far from from where where Chris Collins is. So that yes, thank you for for raising that. So it's something it's a story that uh is, is fascinating on so many levels. So Chris Collins, of course, was – this news broke before the, um, the, the last midterm election in, in 2018, and Chris Collins stayed on the ballot and actually won re-election despite having this hanging over his head. And it's one of those things where it's not the first time, obviously, a politician has been able to <laughs> overcome some of the, 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 the criminal circumstances that, that might surround them. Uh, but in this case, uh, yes, you are, you are correct. Uh, he's, he's pleading guilty to, to charges of insider trading and decided that uh, it was best to resign and uh, remove him. From the House, it is a fairly uh, conservative uh, area of New York State, so I think Republicans uh, have a have a decent shot to, to most likely retain the seat. I don't think it's going to shift the, the balance of power all that much. Uh, but you know, it's just another reminder that you know this is again we talked about the low level of trust that Americans have in the news media. Uh the same can be said about Congress, and it's when things like this happen that I think it really da- damages the reputation of the institution and it's It's quite sad that uh somebody who was elected and and given this trust by constituents uh w- would abuse that and uh, engage in behavior like this and now plead guilty for it
0: mm-hmm. uh your colleague Jared Stepman did a nice uh, story on uh some of the uh climate change uh proposals most every one of them are quite quite insane if i don't you don't yes, mind me they, saying,
2: I, let's go through all four of them because uh, Jared, Jared's story was uh, was quite fantastic, and I, I have to give another. I know Jared's uh, been a guest on your your program, and Jared has a his first book out today. It's oh, called cool. The War on War on History. So, um, you know, he is uh, he's uh, an author for the first time. We're very excited to have. Uh, him uh, at the Daily Signal. He does tremendous work, and this new book really looks back at history and and you know what we're seeing play out in in our c- culture today. But the, to talk specifically about uh, about the climate proposals, you know, the first one that was made famous by the Green New Deal and Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, the representative from New York, was. Uh, stopping air travel uh you know basically moving to a system of high speed rail within the united states uh not really sure how that would work for for hawaii and uh and alaska but uh perhaps <laughs> it would just be a quite quite a lengthy and costly costly trip but their their uh proposal here is really they they say that you know airplanes uh produce a tremendous amount of um, Uh, emissions. And, you know, in order to to curb that, it would be best to to stop that entirely. Of course, this has been tried. California had a high-speed rail project, which uh, didn't pan out so well and had to be abandoned, uh, you know, when the cost uh, balloon to seventy-seven billion dollars, so a lot of wasted money there. Uh, the second one that Jared touched on was stop having children. Uh, so I, I'm sure this like hits home to to your listeners and me and anybody who you know uh, has children. Uh, this mm-hmm. has been a proposal we've heard from the environmental left in the past, and uh, you know even uh, what the. Um, the The Prince of England has, has said that he's going to stop having children, right, uh, because uh, Prince Harry, I believe it was, and Meghan Markle, because they, they just felt that it was bad for the environment. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think uh, children are a great thing, and I'm certainly blessed to have mine. Uh the third one was ban red meat start eating bugs. <laughs> I don't know if we want to talk much more about that. It sounds pretty disgusting but uh but obviously you know there are those who who you know have a certain perspective on uh on meat and uh and they would they would you know go to a different type of diet and and think that that would be ultimately better off for the environment. And then uh you know even this last one is uh <laughs> the the crazy things that sometimes happen in in Europe. Uh you know uh eating human flesh uh and I'm I'm not joking about this. Uh you know it's uh, one of those things that uh some of those radicals have have proposed and uh you know it's not out of a, ho- a horror movie it's actually real life Bill. So this is what we have to contend with, and these are some of the unserious proposals that people put forward. And they were on full display last week in New York at the, uh, at the U.N. Climate Summit and some of the other things that were taking place around that.
0: Bill, yeah, I, the, I, <laughs> I can't even – I don't even know what to say after that last one.
2: Look, it is uh, it is it is some some crazy stuff that we're hearing, uh, and, and it was called this gastro summit. And there's a behavioral scientist named Magnus uh, Soderlund, and he suggested that one way to cope with climate change was human beings having to eat one another to survive. So uh, you know, I, uh, I I just I just don't know. Sometimes you wonder if they put these things out there and try to be so radical uh, just to shock people. Uh, I, I personally don't think that the world is going to come to an end in, in 12 years, in part because we've had predictions that the world was going to come to an end for decades. And uh, the environmental left has long been making these types of predictions and coming up with these radical ideas. And what we found is that through technology and human innovation, we, we can overcome these things. Uh, the United States has some of the cleanest water and air uh, throughout the globe. Uh, it's uh, it's. Through policies that we're even seeing the Trump administration put forward, where we're cleaning up the environment, we're cleaning up the Superfund sites and cities that have long been polluted. So, so Bill, I uh, I'm somebody who's an optimist. I think that we can overcome some of the challenges, and while I do believe that humans uh, are contributing to, uh, you know, the changes in the environment, uh, certainly, um, you know, I don't think it's as dire as some of these people predict it will be.
0: Yeah, I just made a note to myself: invest in ketchup. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's. Uh, End our time, Rob, with something that you're looking forward to. What, what are, you, what's on your desk that you're kind of excited about, and something positive?
2: Sure. Well, I mean, I'll tell you on a personal level. I, uh, I'm coaching a, a, a little league team, nice. and uh, it this just brings me great joy uh, to, to teach these, <laughs> these kids baseball. Um, you know, I think that it's so important to have a, a role in your community, and, uh, and certainly, I know, um, you know, we all tend to stretch ourselves thin. But uh, it's those types of things that bring us, I think, the, the greatest joy and the rewards that we, we pass on to the next generation. So it's something that my father did when, when I was growing up, and it's something that I wanted to, you know, pass along to, to, to my son. So we're having a great time doing it. Uh, it's challenging at times. Uh, these, these are, you know, largely seven- and eight-year-old kids who are learning to pitch for the first time and, you know, struggling uh, out there uh, at the plate or in the field. But, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity to teach them about teamwork uh to teach them about uh you know the contributions that, that they can they can make and uh, you know having a positive attitude and you know starting to learn about winning and losing in life so that's yeah. that's one thing It takes it a little bit out of politics bill but yeah. <laughs> that's not necessarily a bad thing
0: and then the, the best thing is your kids are spending more time with dad which is awesome
2: yeah, no, I, look, that is that is so important. You know, I interviewed Raynard Jackson this week for the Daily Signal podcast, and one of the things that stood out to me in our interview was talking about the black community and one of the ways that we can do a better job. Uh, and he was talking about how important the importance of family and the two-parent household and, uh, you know, sticking together through hard times and, and making sure you set a positive example for kids. So uh, I think we, it's one of the contributions we can all make.
0: Yeah. Rob, thanks so much for doing the show. Always look forward to our time, and I will talk to you next week.
2: Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it.
0: You bet. Rob Louie's been my guest, executive editor of The Daily Signal. Go to dailysignal.com. We'll take a short break and be back.
2: Ross with the Faith in Life Minute. There are things you can do as a parent to help bring your family closer to God and each other. Here's some insights from Dr. Rich Melheim, author of the book, Holding Your Family Together. It starts with sharing your highs and lows at the end of the day. It's a very simple thing you can do in a few minutes. If you don't know your child's highs, you don't know them. If you don't know their lows, you don't know them. And if they don't know their own highs and lows, really, they don't know themselves. If we want to raise an empathetic Reflective generation with perspective and godly values. I think we need to stop, turn off the tech, turn off the cell phone and the, everything else, and, and check in with your highs and lows. The scriptures tell us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And if you're not doing that in your own family, I don't think you really need to do the world until you make sure you take care of the flock that is in your charge. You, you can listen to and share one? full interviews with Dr. Rich Melvin well, at MyFaithRadio.com. I, I could while away the hours. Confirm
0: with the flowers. Consult and with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you for being with me. Middle Awfully glad to uh, in be in inviting middle middle Patrick middle Albany's to the show. We're going to do the Tuesday edition of Mondays with Patrick because, well, you know how that works out. Patrick, welcome. I, I was preempted. You were preempted by Jay Warner Wallace. And if you're going to be preempted, that's not bad.
1: No, no. I was once emptied. I don't even remember what that felt like, but uh, yes. <laughs> I was preempted. Yes. It's like the disgruntled guy. It's funny how we have our language has certain words you can't take the prefix off and have it mean anything. That's true. <laughs> preempted.
0: I like that. I like that. Yeah. So you are back in the rhythm of life after attending your 40th uh, high school reunion, which.
1: 40? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I know.
0: I said it. I said it. <laughs> <That old. laughs> but I know that you had, had a chance to speak to uh, your. One of your favorite teachers, Mr. Ploppus, and I know you wanted to talk about that.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's funny because a couple of weeks ago we were talking about, you know, the, the preemptive going to my <laughs> – the, 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 the pre-going uh, to my 40th reunion. And uh, we were talking about teachers that, you know, we all have like a handful we remember. And Mr. Ploppus had told some stories about what a great teacher he was, and I remembered him, and there he was. Uh, You know, in his seventies now, but uh, looking every bit as out of shape as he did (laughs) back then. But with with this beautiful silver hair, and uh, so I'm like, oh my gosh, Mr. Plotzless is here! And uh, you know, he always he he had these horrible, hilarious jokes and puns that he would tell, but they were they were they were groaners, but they were so clever. And, uh, it, it's part of the reason why I remembered him. And I remember I, I, so the other night I go up to him and I was like, you know, I was so excited to see you here because you, he, you know, you're thinking, am I ever going to get a chance to tell this teacher how much they, they meant to me and, uh, how much I enjoyed, and I still remember them 40 years later. And I said, you know, and here you are. And I've just got the chance to, to tell you that, you know, you really, you know, made a difference in my life. And he says to me, oh, that's, you know, it's awful nice of you to say that. And he says, oh, by the way, how much is five minus three? two? He says, there, now you've made a difference. <laughs> 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 and, and then he gives me this smile that I remember from 40 years ago that he would do when he knew you got the joke. He yeah. just smiled at you. I go, that's it. My trip to Chicago was worth it for that alone. Yeah. Ace you know, him and, uh, and, and the joke on top of yeah,
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. It Great fun. reminder Great. that it's never bad to show a little gratitude, especially for people who have touched your lives.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the moments are fleeting. And uh, you often don't really, uh, you don't often get the opportunities. And and sometimes you aren't even aware till much, much later. I mean, think about it. Uh, You know, your, your parents, you go through these phases, I think they're called your teen years, where you think they don't know anything. And then you realize, my gosh, the number of things that they they did for me. And, and, you know, you hope that you maybe impact. Like I had one of those parenting moments the other day. You go, oh, how would my parents have handled this? And I, I, I caught my, my kids um, being really negative on themselves, like really cutting themselves down. And uh, I said, you know, hey, because uh, I don't know where they get that from. I really don't. And I said, but please, I said to them, don't do not do that because you really make daddy feel like a stupid dodo dum-dum. <laughs> <laughs> when you cut yourself down like that. So I think I hit on that one well. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Words are powerful, Words are isn't
1: powerful. it? Yeah, they are. I don't know where they get it. I don't know where they get it from. <laughs> oh, gosh. So how are you? you, you well, how was Jason well, Wallace? Was he a suitable replacement for yeah, you? Yeah, he was.
0: He yeah. did an outstanding job. And if it sounds... Does it sound like I'm picking chicken out of my teeth right now? It does not. Oh, good, are because you I just had some chicken. And, you know, I was thinking of... How lovely some businesses can be, where they come into the community and they say, "We're just opening up. We want to get to know you a little bit, and we're getting our kitchen fired up and doing a little test run." So they brought over a gigantic bag of chicken sandwiches, and I had one, and I'm thinking, "What a nice, what a nice thing to do when you move into a community is is to reach out to your neighbors." It's a good lesson we should all learn. It'
1: great introduction. It's like you know, when we used to bring a you know a cake over to the new neighbor.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, here's you know. some cookies. Here's some cookies. Welcome to the neighborhood. Can I borrow your mower? <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't so know. So you got, you got chicken. That's now, if that's, it's stuck in your teeth. Yeah, you know your teeth are getting bad when the chicken soup is getting stuck in there. Right.
0: That's when it's uh, worrisome. Yeah. Worrisome. Yeah, very much so. So when I was looking at the fallout from Greta Thurnberg, that 16 year old who was at the UN, I was thinking that it was mostly a mistake for the UN to put her on the stage. Your
1: thoughts? I think so. You know, I it's um, I I don't know if it's a good idea to put uh, somebody up there and then you try to protect them from any criticism of anything they said, because, you know, no matter where you stand on how you feel, how this climate debate is going. We should be able to have an open debate and do, to automatically discard somebody's objections to some of her talking points or her, her claims that you go, well, hang on, I don't know if that's true, to say, well, that's it. You hate kids. That's it. You know, you're just a terrible human being. and Or I see the new one is to say, you're just afraid of a 16-year-old girl. It's like, I'm, okay. So – my my thing now is when somebody uses anything and then they use it as an excuse to shut down discussion or debate, you would say, well, I guess then that was the point of having that person talk. And that's what it seemed like with hers. We used her because you're not allowed to uh, object or disagree. You're not allowed or you're just a hater. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, civil uh, dialogue just seems to have completely vanished.
1: It, it really has, you know. Um, I, I, don't, you know, as you, you grew up similarly to me, uh, in the seventies with bell bottoms, but, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I called them flares, flares. Yeah. Yes. You can call them what you want.
1: Do you remember the elephant bell bottoms? They had ones that were the elephant bell. Oh, yeah. They were
0: huge. Yeah. They were terrible in the winter cause they would get really wet.
1: They'd get really and wet. And then they
0: would if- get salt stains on them. I was like, that's embarrassing.
1: Oh, I know, and you could trap a small schnauzer in there, too. <laughs> yes, you could. <laughs> you could walk in the door and say, who brought in those dogs? I yeah. guess I did. I guess I did. I must have. I must have. They yeah. got trapped in my elephant pants. Yeah. Uh, and, speaking, but, uh,
0: and speaking of those days, I, I, mean, I want to segue into your very first job, and what did you get paid?
1: Okay, well, my very first job was at the Catholic Church. That's uh, right. Other than, you know, I did cut lawns. I cut grass for two bucks.
0: Okay, what was your first was job like where you got like a... Regular paycheck from a company.
1: So that would have been the church uh, that they, and it was a check. They didn't even pay me cash. They had all that cash lying around. (laughs) Uh Um, But uh, let's see, I was paid $5 to go in on Wednesday nights with Mike Lindsay. And for three or four hours, we would print the envelopes, the donation envelopes. We printed them up for all the parishioners. And then I was paid an additional $5 uh, to sit around at the church rectory all day Sunday and wait for services to end. And then Mike and I would walk down the street with cloth bags, collect all the cash, and walk down the busiest street in Arlington Heights with thousands of dollars in cash and bring it back to the safe in the rectory. I don't know if they would trust a couple of 13-year-olds to do that anymore. Just, here, could you take this $10,000 in untraceable bills? (laughs) It's
0: amazing the the distance we've traveled. So yeah. I'm hearing uh, through the grapevine, which is mostly just what you tell me, that uh, in <laughs> New York you can get fined a great deal of money by saying the word illegal alien.
1: It's up to a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine for misspeaking.
0: Is that U.S. American?
1: I believe it is. Okay. Uh, you know, I, but if it's pesos, I don't know what that is But come to, on, a rup- that's a lot of money. And uh, What is the drachma going for these I days? Don't know. I the- don't
0: even know, but that comes out of your, your mouth uh, because we've been saying illegal aliens our whole lives. You could get yeah. fined for that? I'm There's not, no warning?
1: Not, does that hold up to free speech? Does, uh, that, does that? No. Would you like to be the guy that gets slapped with this fine and say, okay, happy to pay it, and I will see you in court, and I'm going to sue you for 20 times, 100 times that amount, and you will lose... I mean, how much money does the state of New York have? <laughs> that they because they're going to be paying out some lawsuits. Can you really curb somebody's speech because they say something you you have just you've deemed it right offensive? And so there you go, and we start infringing on rights. In fact, I was reading a similar article about New York, and you're thinking, gosh, no wonder why the residents of New York wanted Mayor De Blasio to run for president. They would do anything to get him out of there, right? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, Ocasio-Cortez is saying that the U.S. taxpayer has to bail out the New York City taxi drivers because they've had this goofy medallion system, which is a ridiculous amount of money that a taxi driver has to pay to get one of these cherished medallions to be able to operate a cab in New York. New York limits the number of them, raising the price up, which, of course, the government collects. And now, uh, evidently, these taxi drivers can't make a living because of the amount of money they have to pay for the medallions to the state of New York. So New York wants the taxpayer to bail out the New York City cab driver who is being ripped off by the city of New York. Unbelievable. In a way, I'm glad that we aren't going to get some of the policies of of New York running the country. I feel for people because I know so many people that love New York. I've only been there a handful of times and, and, and found a delightful city, but I couldn't live there. I I don't think I could live there. I I just, I like trees a lot Mm -hmm. in Central Park.
0: There's a comedian friend that we have that says, New York City is the only city I know that when it rains, it makes its own gravy. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of slime in the streets. Let me take a little break. Patrick Albany is my guest. Uh, We'll take a short break and be right back. The show. i often glad to have Patrick Albanese as my guest. Usually he's a Monday uh, guest, but today he's Tuesday, so this is great. Uh, Patrick, I was just um, looking at some of the news coming out of uh, Des Moines, your, your city. My uh, neck. Your neck of the, of the woods. And this whole Carson King story has gotten to be quite interesting. The journalist that investigated or reported on him and did a little bit of dirt digging, he ended up losing his job.
1: Yes, and he is playing the victim now. Of course he is. So that's, it's come full circle. It's like, I can't believe these people looked into my past, found these things. I said they were just jokes for crying outside, and now I don't have a job. I'm the victim here. Mm -hmm. You dug into a guy's past who, by the way, this is one of those great, uh, I think, lessons. So... For the people that don't know, Carson King is the guy that was just wearing a – he held up a joke of a sign at a football game. It got caught by a camera. People started donating to a Venmo account so he could buy an adult beverage, and he said, I'm not taking that money. And it's turned into $2 million, I think, at this point um, for uh, a children's hospital. Mm -hmm. Just another fantastic thing. If you are familiar with Iowa football, then you know – that there's a moment It's like a seventh inning stretch of a of a baseball game. But then all the players, all the fans, they turn to this window at these children's hospital where these cancer patients and kids that have some pretty tough diseases are watching the football game because it overlooks the football field and they all wave at the kids. And it's just, it brings a tear to your eye. Yeah, and it's a
0: beautiful one. moment.
1: It is. And so this reporter goes, wow, this guy's raised this money. And he digs into his past, finds a couple of Offensive jokes that he had seen a comedian do that he reposted, and the, the to make a long story tedious, as I am known to say, the thing that Carson King did is they called him up and they said, "Well, the story's running tomorrow, and by the way, we found these things you said when you were just a kid, and those will be in there. So good luck to you in the future." Um, he jumped out ahead of the story, said, "Wow, I said these things. I'm really sorry. I'll t- let the chips fall where they may. I I I really hope you'll accept my apology." And he really. Embraced his teenage years with humility and said, "Look at me. I was not a perfect kid, and that's uh, there's proof right there." And he ended up uh, up on top of the situation where people said, "We're still with you. We still support you." Mm-hmm. And instead, the guy who approached it with arrogance, the author of the article who dug up the dirt and then said, "How dare you look up my offensive things?" And you guys, <laughs> me. Mm-hmm. He ends up without a job and you think, isn't it amazing? What an amazing lesson. The guy who approached it with humility ended up elevated. And the guy who approached it with, with arrogance ended up looking for work. And I'm, I'm not applauding that a guy's looking for work, you know, but you go, look at the different approaches. Humility does an awful lot for you. It's, it's you know, fessing up to something. I, I had a job once, I remember, and the boss came in one day and said, Oh, huh, who did this? And it was, I had I'd done some extra cleaning, believe it or not. <laughs> and I said, well, that was, that was me. And she says, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get upset. Just that, you know, normally I say that and nobody ever confesses. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, she was upset that I cleaned because now everybody else was going to have to follow my lead and do some additional cleaning. And she was worried that the staff was going to be upset. It's like, oh, no, we all have to polish brass works because of that guy. Right. We're all ignoring it. We're all getting along just fine.
0: Mm -hmm. But I think of of pride and how pride always interferes. And it sounds like Carson came across with humility. And we should be talking about the fact that $2 million was raised for kids struggling with cancer.
1: It's amazing. And, uh, you know, I I saw a couple of photos from last Saturday's game. And, uh, of course, the way that Carson King, what a lot of people don't know, is that he's... Actually, a Cyclone fan, which is the competing team. This is like Bears-Vikings. Don't know if you know anything about that rivalry. Mm-hmm. Across the there was a game the other day in case you missed it. No, I didn't. No, uh, okay. Neither did I. But and I have, you have, you, we have yet to talk about we it. We have not
0: talked about it. No, and we won't. Mr. Bears fan. Uh,
1: yes. Yes. Uh, but uh, the Hawkeyes, the football stadium where all of this uh, happens, They embraced this guy who's basically their arch rival, right? And there are pictures of him in the stands with all these Hawkeye fans, but they're supporting him, and he's wearing his red, and they're all in their gold. But uh, you go, look at that. Look at that. Look look what transcended this rivalry. And then there were pictures in the children's hospital of all these kids, uh, and you're seeing kids hooked up to some amazing machines and going, he raised $2 million for those guys, and it started with a joke, and he turned it into this amazing thing because a gift was handed to him. People were just sending him money because they thought he was funny. And he said, oh, I can't take that. So he was, I i say, a humble guy from the get-go. You know, it was really wonderful. We live in such a weird time where, you know, truth seems to be so malleable anyway. I think we were talking about this recently. It's so the way politicians answer questions where you go, I, I have no idea. Did he just admit to something? Did he not admit to something? Did he did he answer the question? Like I had a a, a dentist appointment the other day. And uh, this is how a politician would answer these questions. You know, The dentist says, well, "Have you been, uh, have you been flossing? You know, pretty much uh, every day." I said, "Well, I I believe I have flossed uh, 180 times since my last appointment." And the dentist says, well, was that every day?" I'm like, "Hey, do the math, man. Just do the math." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And three, those took place over the last three days. But you know, you you you're saying we're mincing words, right. and so it is with the Carson King situation to see a guy just flat out come on and say, that was me. I, I did do that. I'm really sorry.
0: And isn't how far that goes. Yeah. Isn't being embarrassed by your formal, your former self kind of a sign of maturity? Yes. If you say, yeah, I was a, a kid that made some bad choices and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for them. That That's a good sign. I believe.
1: Well, imagine being, you know, you're Jesus, and you got some some Roman guards kind of hanging out going, we're looking for a guy named Jesus, and he said, yeah, that'd be me, knowing what's coming. Right. You know, I mean, we're not asking people to even do that anymore. We're just saying, can we just get some honesty, some truth? It's amazing how far it goes.
0: Mm-hmm. So does it really anyone trust the media anymore? I mean, I know there are pockets of media that are trustworthy, and publications that are more trustworthy than others, but is there ever unbiased media?
1: I, I don't know if there is anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe it was always that way and we just didn't notice it because they hit it better. Uh, or or maybe there wasn't enough competition or maybe the, the current clickbait climate of everything, you know, where it's – it's everything is to get clicks. And if we upset you, did you click? If you clicked, then we win. Mm-hmm. And so I, I – I don't follow the – I don't go to – I don't take the bait anymore. I try not to. I uh, I try to look for some analysts. I like to let a story – you know, there was one a girl who claimed that some boy's held her down and cut her hair and called her names. And 48 hours later, all right, I made it up. And people just walk away like, oh, gosh, how about that? And I'm like, wait, we, we can't just let that story drop, can we? Mm-hmm. We got all upset, all in an uproar. And uh, I think that 48-hour rule is more important now than – ever before, because can you remember what you were upset about a week ago, two no. weeks ago? No. You know, two weeks ago, they were talking about this amazing new revelation of Brett Kavanaugh that turned out to be completely phony, and when it was shown to be phony, they dropped it like a hot potato, like, oh, nobody got hurt. It's like, nobody got hurt? <laughs> you know, people got hurt.
0: Yeah, they always get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I was just thinking of some of the new minimum wage laws that are going into effect and how it is going to be crippling businesses. And they will artfully find ways to dodge around some of the complications resulting from it. It's going to cost workers lots of work.
1: Sure. I mean, uh, I think I might have told you this, the club that I belong to sent out to all the members of the club that they've done the math and the cost of just implementing the next of California's steps, because it's not even fully to the mandated $15 an hour. I think they're at 13 something. But the next jump is going to cost the club $1.2 million in, in additional uh, costs per year uh, to take their 100 employees because you have to bump everybody up accordingly, um, and also you're taking tipped employees, people that receive, cause I, I had jobs, I worked in the seventies and eighties as a waiter and we'd get $2 an hour, but then, you know, I'd go home with $200. And so, you know, I was like, whatever, two bucks, <laughs> you know, I'm here for the cash. Um, so they're, yeah, they're, they're raising dues on all the members of the club and they're going to have to do it again when the next phase kicks in and when the final phase kicks in. Because they said, well, you know, we can't just keep raising prices on everything. We're we're kind of at our max on it. And so, if you run out of room to raise members' dues, uh, raise prices, the next thing is cutting hours. Mm-hmm. That's all that's left. Yeah. And New York's been experiencing it. You know, a lot of a lot of I think Seattle went through a, a bunch of restaurant closures. Mm-hmm. Restaurant businesses get hit pretty hard on that, just because. They've gotten, a, you could say, get, gotten away with paying people a lower wage because they receive tips. It's been an arrangement that people have been okay with for a very long time because the tips have more than made up. I made a lot of money working in restaurants. I, yeah. I, no complaints about those times. They were a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. It was a good job for you, wasn't it?
1: It was a very good job for me. I actually got to travel around the country uh, doing that. Mm-hmm. All things. Yeah. Not that uh, we need to introduce more
0: dangerous things into the lives of kids, but this whole vaping craze, and I don't want to spend much time with it, but some of the reports that have come out, we just do have to alarm people that as you take in this product, you're basically coating your lungs with some kind of oil. And there was this one kid, I think he was about 19 or 20 college kid, uh, had never smoked before and was uh, vaping for, I don't know, six, eight months, and went in with incredible respiratory problems. And the doctor said, you have the lungs of a 70-year-old.
1: And it turns out that the people that are selling some of the black market vaping supplies are lacing them with certain things that, uh, like THC, I think, the active ingredient in marijuana, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, so people are enjoying their vaping, but what they don't realize is that they're actually getting hooked on a drug, which should not be ingested in that fashion. Um, It's... uh, it 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 you know you, you hate to see a whole bunch of things get banned, but things get abused. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah,
0: just want to always encourage people to, you know, instead of reaching for something that might give you some uh, temporary satisfaction, uh, there's a new habit you can create by getting up and maybe going up and down two flights of stairs, or walking around yeah. the block, or doing something where you you've created uh, you've broken a pattern and you've given yourself an opportunity to do something. Different than what you normally would do because the default is, uh, whenever I do A, I always do B with it. So I mean, you just sometimes just have to break up patterns.
1: Yeah, you replace. That's uh, nature abhors a vacuum, right? As do I, of course. I'm right. Yeah. King. But uh, yeah, if you got to, if you're going to get rid of one habit, it's probably good to replace it with something. You know, I mean, uh, why not grab a, a piece of scripture? instead of the offending thing. Yeah, put it
0: on a three-by-five card and say, I'm going to get this memorized. I'm going to memorize this verse. And then all of a sudden, um, maybe I'll reward myself with what I want to do after I memorize this verse. And then by the time you got it memorized, you go, eh, I don't need to do it. It goes away. It goes away. Yeah, you got to create ways to... You know, I think I bring this up, Patrick, because you and I are kind of gym rats. We've been going to the gym five days a week for, what, I don't know, 40 years?
1: Give or take. Yeah, Give I missed that one workout in uh, 87. Still yeah. paying
0: for it. You haven't told me about that. So,
1: no. You, and I saw you're an article hiding. in uh, New York Times. Me. Yeah. Somebody said that the, going to the gym makes you a right winger. Really? Because, yeah. And then she went down some convoluted thought process of, well, you know, because you're taking care of yourself, you think you're better than people, which means I uh, just, uh, and then I was gone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I
0: think I am I'm too. Just, that wraps I'm trying up trying
1: to our time. Here. <laughs> I'm just trying to stay above ground for a while. Yeah, yeah.
0: Thanks, Patrick, uh, for doing the show. Always great to talk to hey, you.
1: Hey, oh, a purchasing tip, by the way, because yep. I always like to help the the listener out. Of course. Uh, I did pick, I recently picked up an album the uh, the the very best of Dexy's Midnight Runners, and uh, it just came with a blank a CD. So I think that was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: all right. Appreciate all right. the tip, and I'll talk to you next week.
1: Thanks. See you all man. right,
0: Patrick Albanese has been my guest, my friend, and colleague from great state of Iowa. We'll take a short break and be right back.